Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for the next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mears. Absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Hey, sorry for interrupting you on that Mir Duffy call, by the way, back in 2015. It's about time I apologize. He just laid out for me like the good dude that you are. But I apologize for, for stepping on your dick there in 2015. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I was stepping on you, I believe, so I had to get the hell out. Let Anik do his thing. Well, it is great to have you with us. It's Monday April 5th, 2021. It's episode like 295 of the Anakin Florian podcast. This is actually the week, though, six-year anniversary. John Anik alongside PFL welterweight Kenny Florian. <laughs> You're generous at this point. Is that the uh, weight I might, class? I, I might be closer to middleweight right now, kid. Well, I mean, I'm just saying what weight at which you would compete, right? Oh, right. I'd like, still do lightweight. I, I, yeah, I, yeah lightweight. still get down to 55. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> Anyone in that PFL lightweight division, by the way, can get it. Kempfo was born in 1976, but that is neither here nor there. Oh, so man. Sadiq Youssef, who competes in the co-main event on ABC this weekend, walks like 75, 80, 175, 180 pounds, and he fights at featherweight. So those who suggest I can't make 35, Same. I'm walking like 56, 58, Kempfo. We can make 35. No problem. Oh, we can do that. We could do that. All right, so a lot to get to in headlines today because the amount of news that has surfaced since we were last on these airwaves is absolutely absurd. Again, mixed martial arts, the UFC, the gift that keeps on giving. So we're going to get into a lot of these fight announcements. We'll play the game, who's the betting favorite, see where Ken Flo falls on some of these massive, massive fights. I mean, it's one after another. Ray Longo coming up in about 12 minutes. It appears as though he might be going to join, <clears throat> excuse me, Carolina Chris in the great state of South Carolina. So we'll get an update from Ray Longo on that in about 10 minutes. And uh, ABC for the second time for the UFC coming up this weekend. So no fewer than seven predictions from Ken Flo and Ian Parker in the main event challenge. But Ken Flo, we, be we begin with all of the headlines. And I guess we'll start with the ABC show uh, that is no longer UFC Fight Night Till versus Vittori. It is now UFC Fight Night Vittori versus Holland. <clears throat> I guess if any fight card to could take a massive blow, it's this one that was pretty deep, but but a huge blow to the ABC show, in my mind, nonetheless, losing one of the top 15 or so biggest superstars in the sport in Darren Till. I agree. Also, you know, listen, we, we haven't seen Till in a little while. I, I was looking forward to seeing him compete and, and fight against Vittori. Um, so, so that was unfortunate. Uh, Darren Till is a big name. Uh, he has been representing the UK uh, extremely well for a long time now. He's an exciting fighter to watch. I know he's been itching to get back in there. Uh, and this injury uh, just came at a, at a at a horrible spot. So I think it's asking a lot for those who were pining for Derek Brunson to step in here. I think you're talking about Marvin Vittori, number six in the world, Derek Brunson, number four in the world. And Brunson just beat Kevin Holland in a 25-minute main event on March 20th. And, of course, Holland is the guy stepping up. So I think for people that don't, don't pay attention closely, it's easy to say, why is Brunson not stepping up? But Ken Flo, for a, a, a self-respecting athlete like Derek Brunson, right, who just had a main event win, he's trying to become a UFC champion in his late 30s. I think it's asking a whole lot for Brunson to just put that win right back on the line. He fought 15 days ago, whereas for Kevin Holland, 
really a lot less to lose given the fact that he lost that fight two weeks ago. Your thoughts? Listen, every once in a while, it may make sense to take a fight on short notice. I think that the more established you are, the higher ranked you are, for the most part, I think it's pretty much a terrible idea to take a fight on short notice. Why? Each fight, each fighter is a unique and different challenge. It's not like everyone fights the same, everyone looks the same, everyone has the same body. It doesn't really work that way, Uh, especially when you're fighting other very good fighters. You can get dropped down very quickly if you are not properly prepared two weeks uh, is not going to give you ample time. Now, for a guy like a Kevin Holland, who uh, maybe his motivation is more about staying active and just fighting and fulfilling that uh, need to to stay busy and just fight, um, that might make sense. For a guy like Derek Brunson, who's trying to climb back up the rankings and uh, and is looking for an eventual shot at the belt, it probably doesn't make sense. You need to prepare properly for a good fighter and a dangerous fighter like a Marvin Vittori, two weeks, right? Or even really less than that. It's really, you're preparing for one week and then you're in uh, right. in the fight city to get ready. So what you're telling me, he's going to get what, five, six days of training in to prepare for someone like Marvin Vittori? Right. It doesn't right. really make sense. Right, and maybe if the situation was different and Marvin Vittori was the guy who fell out and it's Darren Till and it's a clear title eliminator where you know you're fighting for a championship opportunity, then maybe Brunson would uh, would be able to step in. But I agree with Brunson's decision to lay out here. And and good for Kevin Holland because he can erase what was largely a list, listless right. performance on March 20th. So that's your new main event. Uh, I know Ken Flo's really excited about this main card, the prelims on ABC, so plenty more of that. Uh, coming up in the main event challenge. But Ken Flo, Nathan Diaz is on the books. Nate Diaz has a fight. It is May 15th. It is UFC 262. And historically, it will be a five-round co-main event against Leon Edwards. I'm not going to ask you who's favor because I think you know it's Leon Edwards. I didn't think it would be as swollen as minus 420, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. Nathan Diaz coming back at plus 335. But you know Nate Diaz picks his opponents carefully, and he believes that Leon Edwards is worthy. It's a, it's a huge fight. In terms of this welterweight landscape, what do you think about Diaz Edwards coming up here in uh, in about six weeks? Minus four twenty against Nate Diaz. Is that what you're saying? I know it's a big Co- price coincidence. Oh, uh, I- <laughs> come on! How about man. that? I mean, too easy. I'm not even. It's a little early. It's a little early. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> Thank you, Cody. Uh, listen, man. I, I think that uh, there isn't a whole lot of people that can just walk through someone like a Nate Diaz, and I think. Nate Diaz is one of those guys that uh, you don't really know how tough he is until you get in there with him. Leon Edwards is very skillful. Uh, He's looking very sharp. It it must have felt good to get a few minutes in against someone like a a Bilal Muhammad. Uh, But, uh, you know, Nate Diaz is going to be a whole different challenge. He's tall. He's lanky. He has excellent striking chops. Um, He's going to be the better jiu-jitsu practitioner out there. Uh, he has a ton of experience. Um, so I, I love this fight. It's very intriguing to me. Obviously, Leon Edwards is concerned with uh, really moving on from the Bilal Muhammad uh, fight. Right. And obviously, anytime you get a chance to fight one of the biggest names, one of the most famous fighters in the UFC and Nate Diaz, this is a great way for Leon Edwards to elevate his status and yeah. to get respect amongst the common fans. I think if you know the sport and you follow the sport and you've seen Leon Edwards fight, you know how good this kid really is. But, uh, you know, for the common fans, um, I think getting a big win over someone like a Nate Diaz uh, would do wonders for, for him and his career. And Dana White is a man of his word. He said he had something big for Leon Edwards, and they are moving him forward. And we'll get to Bilal Muhammad later here in headlines. But I think you're wise to point out those six and a half, seven minutes or so that Leon Edwards had against Bilal Muhammad, potentially hugely valuable going into a 25-minute affair with Nate Diaz. But it's always good to have the Diaz brothers, Nate or Nick, in the space and uh, a huge injection into UFC 262. Also playing that night in the featherweight division, Shane Burgos versus Edson Barboza. That's a big fight. Also announced since we were last on the air, Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian. Who do you think's the betting favorite there at 185 pounds? Shabazian, I believe, coming off his first pro loss to, uh, to Derek Brunson. I don't believe we have seen him since. Who's favored? Hermanson, Shabazian. That's tricky. I know who I would be leaning towards, but as far as who the bookmakers think is the favorite, 
I would think it would be Hermanson. Hermanson's minus one eighty five. So I thought okay. it would be closer. Shabazian is plus one sixty. And uh, you know, not all that long ago, Edmund was uh was undefeated, all the rage. You know, I was putting him on an Adesanya type pedestal, and now he's plus one sixty against Jack Hermanson. Also at UFC 262, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Daryush. How about Benny Daryush in the lightweight mix, Ken Flo? Who do you think's favored there? Benny Daryush, Tony Ferguson. Hmm. That's a tricky one. I'd be leaning towards Ferguson, but who knows? Is Ferguson the favorite heading into that? Benil Daryush minus 155. Wow. Tony Ferguson plus 135. A lot of fans were surprised nice. to see that betting line, and uh, I yeah, think a I few am. of them – that I talked to uh, went in hard on Tony at plus 135. But, uh, hey, current form for, for Benil Dariush. I mean, what a war with Diego Fajeda and, and obviously yeah. Ferguson coming off a couple losses for the first time in a long time. All right, so UFC 263 is June 12th. The main event's going to be the Flyweight Championship rematch, Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. And Bilal Muhammad is getting one of the guys that he asked for, Ken Flo. Another one of these 1970s babies, Damian Maya. This has been a name on the tip of Bilal's tongue for a long time. And I think if you're Bilal, priority number one had to be Leon Edwards. You kind of felt like you weren't going to get that fight again, unfortunately. Then priority number two, I think, for Bilal was going to be to try to get a main event because this one was sort of unceremoniously taken away from him. Mm -hmm. Priority number three was to get the guy he's been calling out for a while, and that's Damian Maya. You know Bilal if he can't get on the championship trajectory as expeditiously as he would like to, he wants to challenge himself. And what better way to challenge yourself stylistically than to fight somebody that we all hold in such uh, high regard, your good friend, Damian Maia? Uh, 100%. You know, it's, it's rare that you get a guy that wants to step up and face Damian Maia. And the fact that Bilal uh, wants to do that shows his confidence. You know, it yeah. really shows his confidence and where he thinks his game is at. But, you know, I know when I was fighting John, you know, I would lick my chops anytime I would see a guy who was a big name or was ranked higher than me. That was my opportunity to steal everything I could from that person uh, and, and elevate myself and, and get the respect and get one step closer to fighting for the belt. So I think that's the way Bilal sees that. Anyone who defeats a Damian Maya is, yeah. is you know, is going to be a big deal. And uh, Bilal is looking to capitalize on this opportunity. Not an easy fight. How many yeah. times have we seen a guy in the top six, top seven fight a Damian Maya only to be tapping out or going to sleep right. a few minutes later? So this is not an easy fight. Um, I do think Bilal has the wrestling chops to maybe prevent Damian Maya from taking to the floor. And, and he certainly has the striking skills. So I'm really curious to see how this one goes down. As I said on the show last week, before Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, it was always Damian Maya where uh, where UFC welterweight winning streaks went to die. So for yeah. Bilal Muhammad, we'll see. Maybe he'll be the underdog. Maybe he'll be the favorite. I don't know. I do know that Damian Maya is going to be 44 years old later this year. I also know that he's won three of four, right? So he did lose that fight in Brasilia just before COVID-19 intervened. That was March 14, 2020. But Maya had won three in a row leading up to that yeah. fight. A main event over Ben Askren mixed in there. So very interesting fight in the welterweight division. All right, very quickly, Saturday, June 19th, your main event, Dan Ige against the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. Ige has been asking for that fight for a long time. And nice to see the promotion reward Dan Ige, who accepted the Ryan Hall fight, a fight that, as we have discussed, people just are not accepting these days. And, and then, obviously, he had a big knockout against Gavin Tucker, a guy that maybe you're not getting top 15 guys to, to rush to the altar to sign to fight. So he gets the Korean zombie. Saturday, June 26th, it'll be Alexander Volkov and Seattle Gone in a heavyweight main event. And then I want to get your thoughts on UFC 264, July 10th. Before we get to the trilogy, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Gilbert Dorino Burns. Wonderboy minus 180, Gilbert Burns plus 155. You know, Dorino is the consummate take on all comers type of fighter, but uh, man, there's certainly easier matchups at 170 pounds for, for Gilbert Burns than Stephen Thompson. Your thoughts on that one coming up here this summer? Uh, well, listen, you know, Wonder Boy um, is unlike any striker that has ever competed inside the octagon. Uh, Gilbert Burns will certainly have his hands full. Uh, but also Wonder Boy hasn't gone against a whole lot of excellent ground technicians like a Gilbert Burns as well. So for Gilbert, I, I think, you know, yes, he can use his striking and this and that. You don't want to stay on your feet for too long against someone like Wonder Boy. Um, you know, Gilbert has power. He's got speed. 
but Wonder Boy is so slick with his striking. He's made some of the best strikers look silly. Uh, Gilbert Burns has to take this fight to the ground. If he's able to do that, he can win this fight. All right, and then your headliner at UFC 264, July 10th. Maybe we'll have International Fight Week, but uh, three months away, I'm not all that ambitious about that. Dustin Poirier will get the red corner against Conor McGregor. The question is, Ken Flo, who's the betting favorite right now as we sit here on Monday, April 5? Woo! Um, I'd, I'd imagine it had to be a slight favorite, and I would be leaning towards Dustin, I guess. Uh, but uh, what do you got? So I did not give Kemflo any preparation that I was going to ask him betting lines today, by the way. You're right. It's close. Essentially a pick him. Connor minus 115. Dustin okay. Poirier minus 105. No language as to whether or not that fight is going to be at 70 or 55. I haven't even seen promotional confirmation yet, but it seems like both athletes have intimated that it will go down on July 10th. Hopefully it's at 155 pounds, which makes it far more relevant. But would that affect which way you would lean if it was at 55 or 70 or not necessarily? <sighs> Potentially, yeah. I, I, listen. I, I think probably at 170, uh, it might be an advantage for Connor. Do it at 155. Both these guys are are, are looking to get the belt at, at, in that weight class, you know. So might as well make it make it 155. And I think it forces um, certainly Connor to to be focused and, and get his training in. All right, we'll see how it all plays out. Ray Longo will join us in 60 seconds. First, though, support for the Anakin Florian podcast brought to you today by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. If you're in the market, we have an exclusive offer for our viewers and listeners, 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash AF. This offer good in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the U.K. And it can be said, few things worse than nicking yourself when you are manscaping. But that is no longer a concern of mine because of this ceramic blade on the lawnmower 3.0, which, if you don't know, is the best below-the-waist hair trimmer in human existence. My replacement blade and gift just came in the mail. Replacement blades come, by the way, as part of the brand-new Peak Hygiene Plan. Basically gives you a replenishment of your favorite product. So for me, replacement blades every three months delivered to my door hassle-free. Also advantages like member-exclusive pricing for products like the new Refined Cologne and, of course, the life-changing Lawnmower 3.0 replacement pack always comes with a free gift as well so to get 20 percent off and free shipping go to manscaped.com slash af that's 20 percent off with free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash af put handsome on autopilot with the new peak hygiene plan from manscaped all right speaking of men who don't need any help in the hygiene department let's get to ray long it's now time for the ray longo minute i want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest that's what i want the ray longo minute John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. I mean, did you see the YouTube comments last week, Ken Flo? It's like, I don't even like Anik. I just fast forward to the Ray Longo <laughs> minute. Uh, My gosh, how much are you paying these people? I mean, go look at the comments on last week's show. <laughs> Jesus. They, lo they love Ray. They really do. People, uh, I think they were going crazy about the John Jones. They think you're a fanboy. Oh, that's right. That's you, you what it was. Any, do you have any retaliation right. for that? Would you like to rebut? No, I stand by everything, uh, everything that I said. And actually, one viewer was like, I actually think John owned Ray in that conversation. So we like that guy. <laughs> that vocal minority. I never saw that one. You sure you saw that? <laughs> it was one. It was singular. It was one. It was only one. Oh. So uh, Ray Longo's bags are packed. He is headed to the Palmetto State. His bags actually are not packed. Palmetto State is South Carolina, USA. And you will join Carolina Chris, as I understand it, in preparation for UFC 261. I'll tell you what. It's, it's, uh, man, I'm very excited. Not, definitely not the way I like to do things. But you know what? It is what it is. And uh, hopefully I'll have a good time out in South Carolina. He sounds great. So that's all you could ask for. Do you know where Kenny is right now? I think we'll break the news to everybody, Ken Flo. Can you just tell, Ray, where you are right now? I'm in South Kakalaki. So I might have to uh, yes, fly in or not fly. In, I could drive in and just see what the heck you guys are doing over there. Finally get a chance to, to, to see Ray. Give him a hug. Yeah, let's do it. How close are you to uh, Wonder Boy School? Uh, let's see. How he, far are you to Simpsonville, he's probably, South Carolina? He's probably maybe an hour and a half, maybe. Two hours, right, cool. something like That's, that. Should try to yeah. pop over, really. Yeah. really I yeah, I'd, I'd love, to, I'd love to, I'd love to. Um, uh, Wonder Boy's new gym is supposed to be insane too. Uh, it's supposed to be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, this is the first time I'll see it. But I think we got a uh, an Airbnb over there. So nice. You're more than welcome. Thank Jump you. Ken Flo has a uh, a blue Porsche that he could drive there. Wow. <laughs> 
Very good. <laughs> so maybe he'll do that. He drives exceedingly fast. Car was built yeah. in like 1970. How? What? What year was that Porsche built, Kenny? You got to slow down too. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, was it was. It was not. It's not from 1970. <laughs> it's old. But what year? Uh, Kenny? It was probably when I was a freshman in high school, 1990. Wow. That was, that was one that of the, the cars I had on my poster. So let me tell you yeah. something. Those cars back then were the shit. You yeah. had a Porsche back then. <laughs> That's you, what I mean. So I'm still living in that time, you know. Yeah, I, I love you know. it. That's awesome, man. Those cars were those cars were great. We'll be in a we'll be in a blue uh, Dodge Dart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. My dad had a 1988 oh, maroon Porsche 944. Wow. And oh, yeah. I left candles in the back of it that melted oh. in the in the Wellesley, Massachusetts sun. See oh, the was, scar on my neck? Yeah, that my was a beating. That should, have been, that, that should have been a justifiable beating. I would yeah, say. exactly. Yeah. I would have done the same, to be fair, John. I would, well, I, I would have gotten yeah. crushed, but uh, <laughs> I had a I had an 86 Trans Am with the P-Tops, man. That car was oh, insane. Sick. Yeah. Loved, loved that car. Those were the days, right? Yeah, man. Actually, one of the two times I was in Ken Flo's blue Porsche in L.A., he was driving very conservatively. But the other time, you know, <laughs> buckle up. And that car doesn't remind you to put your seatbelt on, so you need right. to, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that, car didn't, that car didn't have a seatbelt. Uh, right. <laughs> exactly, right, right. exactly. All right, so you just said in a perfect world you wouldn't be flying to, to South Carolina in a global pandemic or otherwise to be training with Chris, but how long are you going? I mean, you're not going down there for two weeks and then heading to Vegas, are you? No, I'm going to go down for a week, come back, okay. and, uh, and then head over to uh, Jacksonville, right? That's where we're going. And then Oh, that's right. We're not even going. Jesus. And then the week after is Vegas with Marab, so – uh and he's gonna now he he's been he's on fire but he's he's gonna leave to go to vegas because i'm going to you know i'm going to south carolina when i come back i'll be in jacksonville so he's gonna finish up in vegas which you know again isn't ideal but i tell you i mean he is he's he's literally i i i don't even know what the, what's the matter with that guy i have him set up to spar at the gym kenny i'm not joking he comes in he's like 10 minutes late i go come on Marab, we got a big fight coming up He's like, yeah, no, he he went to another gym and already sparred. So he's sparring. <laughs> now, listen, no, I'm, I'm like, you're fucking joking. Are you fucking with me now? And he's like, no, no, he went to, he said he went to meet Kelleher. Kelleher didn't show up. So he just sparred whoever was in the gym. And uh, and then he came over and he, and he sparred one of, you know, he did the sparring session we set up. So guy's insane. That's all I could say. But man, is he in some cardio? Jeez. And so hopefully he, he maintains that while he's out there and he's good to go. Who's he fighting? He's fighting Cody Stamen. Tough fight. Oh, my Ooh, gosh. What a fight. What a fight. Yeah. Marab, I'm telling you, is like the last guy I would ever want to fight. I'm a broken record on that. I don't want to fight the cardio guy at all. All yeah. right. Chris Weidman, Uriah Hall. The rematch is April yeah. 24th. You're right. Jacksonville, Florida. It will not be in Las Vegas, Nevada. So the first fight between these two men, right? I'm going to take you back. We'll see how your memory is 11 years later. September 24th, 2010. Wow. Chris Weidman was 2-0. and It was Ring of Combat 31, Atlantic City, New Jersey. It was Weidman's first time cutting down to 185 pounds after two catchweight fights at 190. For Uriah Hall, fifth pro fight, it ended up being his first pro loss. And now, of course, the rematch is 19 days away. What do you remember about that first fight, Ring of Combat 31? Well, uh, listen, on the regional circuit, Uriah Hall was killing it, right? So he was he was considered the guy for sure. And I, I'll tell you, it was so bad that Chris had a, a girl, a, a, some girl he knew from Baldwin was training with Uriah, and she actually called him and said, please, whatever you do, don't take this fight. Don't do right. it. Like, you know, that's how, that was the ambiance that uh, Uriah Hall had. But, right. uh, you know, classic Weidman at that time, I think he was just unstoppable. Nobody really had any idea. And I think uh, Uriah Hall found out, you know, the hard way. I mean, he got taken down. He couldn't move. First, he got knocked down by a punch, which was I was happy about, you know, because he, st he stood up with him. And then he when he knocked him down, it was he couldn't just it was just bad. So uh, I'm sure, look, Uriah is a great guy. I'm sure he wants to rectify that. But I remember that fight like it was yesterday because I left Atlantic City. Somebody drove me to Philly, and I got on a plane. And uh, the next night, Matt Fort, uh, Matt Lytle, in Indiana or Chris Illinois. Chris Lytle. Chris yeah. Lytle. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, Chris Lytle uh, in front of his hometown fans. So, yeah, that was a crazy weekend for me, but I do remember it like it was yesterday. How about that? Back in 2008, you had the entire city of Brockton, Massachusetts begging Joe Lozon to not take that Ken Flo fight. You didn't, you didn't understand what you were getting into. I'm sorry. I love Lozon. Ken Flo hates when I Ken, do this. Listen, Ken Flo was at a, Ken Flo was at a different <laughs> level at that period. He really was. I'm trying to tell people. I'm trying to tell people. He will Dude, fuck God. you up. No, <laughs> look, he was the first guy. I finished fights. He had his shtick, and he kept to it. And he, he fought his ass off, man. Well-rounded, great footwork. Uh, yeah, he had the complete package at a time when, uh, you know, a lot, not a lot of people did, maybe not even today. You know? Anytime well, right. I, anytime I feel down in the dumps, you guys are going to be my first two calls, period. That's right. Nah, you need no, that. <laughs> what the problem is in this sport, like, you know, you're gone for a year, you're gone. Like, you're not gone. Right. You're just totally gone, you know? So right. I think it's good to remind people and, uh, thank you, right. You know, and, and really go back and look at the fights. I mean, again, and he fought Jose Aldo when Jose Aldo was a fucking beast. Not the Jose Aldo today. Jose Aldo, how many years ago was that? 10. 2011. Ten years. So Take 10 years. 10 years off of Jose Aldo right now. Yeah. You, that's crazy. Yeah. He was a he was a beast. And Kenny fought him tooth and nail. Great yep. fight. And, uh, you know, I, you got so many things to look back on and just be proud of. It's it's incredible. That's the truth. Thank I you, had Ken follow up 2-1. Uh after three no, no but submission I told, offense i told people he won the fight good, good. yeah submission offense though is a lost start and uh i know we need to move on but you know Canflo, what a good feel for that carotid artery Canflo has <laughs> all right <clears throat> and my producer cody's texting me what i do now okay it's just oh. okay no i didn't want to piss off the boss man cody all right another thing i had on my list uh for you today ray so yesterday was the six-year anniversary of uh, of Raging Ally Aquinta, Dateline Fairfax, Virginia, on the campus of George Mason University. <laughs> Hotly contested affair with Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Yes. And uh, some college kids in the crowd decided to give Iaquinta the finger and boo him <laughs> after a win. And Al didn't take too kindly to it. And I know ESPN on social media repurposed that, that post-fight interview yesterday. One of the most memorable moments I've ever had uh, with a UFC mic flag in my hand. Ray, is that true that he went on to be 20 and 0 that night? He beat up about 19 uh, right. other college yeah. kids that night. Yeah, he, yeah. he beat up, uh, I think he beat up 10 co eds and three lampshades <laughs> <three laughs> got totally destroyed. Yeah. He beat up a couch, three co eds, and four lampshades. Yeah, I think that's the correct record, but I'm not sure. But they what still I have a, a warrant I, out for. Yeah, I, I wanted to Virginia. protect. I wanted to protect John Anik mode at that point. I was like, man, you got. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I felt so bad because John was just classic. Yeah. What a classic! Man, what a classic! And that came out of nowhere. And uh, you know, in hindsight, man, what a great, great uh, video clip that is. You know, but at the time, I was like, man, chill out. I don't want you to get in trouble. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, give John a break. He didn't do anything. But uh, man, in hindsight, man, Iaquinta's the man. I mean, he speaks his mind, and I didn't get it back then, but I get it now, man. What a what yeah. a great what a great piece of footage that is. And uh, I just didn't want it to end. I just I had to follow up with the question. I just didn't want it to end. See if he could maybe go off a little bit more on these co-educationals at George Mason. How funny was that? But uh, yeah, that was a man. I can't six years. I just don't know where the time's going. So did you watch that crazy. clip yesterday, Ray? Did you watch that clip? Oh yesterday? yeah, 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 yeah. So there seems to be a little bit of a misconception, and it's selfish for me to bring this up, but my name's on the podcast, so I'm going to do it. People think I'm losing my hair, Ken Flo. Right, like right. people think that uh, it is in recession. Right, this is a choice. This bald head and Ray. If you saw how I looked in the octagon with that hair, you see why I shaved my head. I look like I look like an asshole, Ray. Well, you know, I, I disagree. I disagree. And again, if you guys want any evidence that he's not losing his hair, then, uh, you know, look at his brother, Jason. He's That's got right. a whole head of hair. He's got all That's the right. hair. That's right. Yeah. Ray, you paused as if to say you didn't think I looked particularly good with that hair. It's okay. No, it's, I, it's thick. No, it's no, Jewish. I, I wasn't going that way. Said, perception is reality. If that was your perception. Yeah, and that's reality. But you look good with hair, without hair. You wear it all good, buddy. Well, thanks. Well, thanks. All right, before we let you go, 
I was so excited to see them lock the door behind Darren Till and Marvin Vittori. Instead, it's going to be Kevin Holland who steps in. And it's hard not to wonder aloud what they would have done if Kevin Holland wasn't available. Because if you look at the rankings and you look at the relative availability of these fighters, um, you know, I suppose they could have tried to get Uriah or Chris now that I think about it. But uh, what are your thoughts on Kevin Holland a couple weeks after a very underwhelming effort against Eric Brunson getting another massive opportunity here? Look, Kevin Holland, you know, look, he, he gets a chance to redeem himself real quick. What a what better what a better way than right away. You just jump back in there and get a win. So for him, it's it's a chance at redemption. He get, he has a great fight. Everybody forgets about the Brunson fight immediately. Right. That's the way that this the way this shit works, right? But um it definitely no that's a large task he has in front of him. I think Vittori now, even uh seeing what happened in the Brunson fight has a pretty good idea you know and either way his stand-up is good uh but he knows that on the ground uh he could probably control him a very interesting fight i'm so, a very dangerous fight for vittori though because i don't think he has anything to gain because of what happened in the brunson fight right yeah so, you know it's a fight uh and i give him credit for taking it but i think it, against a dangerous guy that you know he could be one of those guys that either gets you out of there or you beat him you know what i mean like you smother him on the floor so He's a, and that's a five round fight. Five round fight. Yeah, that's an interesting fight. I'm I'm going with Vittori only because I think he, you know, knows there's a smart way to win that fight. Uh, And, uh, but this is, again, on the other side, this guy has a chance to just erase what happened a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's a big thing. And I think he's a guy that's so wacky, he goes in there and, he looks like he'll be able to put that behind him, but we'll, we're going to find out a lot about Kevin Holland too in this fight. There's, yeah. there's, the pressure's on him also because if he has two losses, he went from major prospect to, you know, one more fight and you're out of the UFC type of deal, you know? Yeah. So mentally, he's 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 got to be feeling it too. Yeah. He's got a lot of long-range weapons, a lot of good chokes in his arsenal. He is the undersized guy in terms of overall width and girth. Uh, yeah. I guess I would worry about almost anybody in this spot other than Marvin Vittori because he's just such an animal. I literally think he's the hungriest fighter on the roster. Like there might be fighters who want to be a UFC champion as badly as Marvin, but yeah. nobody wants it more than that guy. And uh, we'll get a prediction from Ken full later in the program. All right, my man, well, wheels up to South Carolina. We wish you a safe trip. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks in Jacksonville, buddy, but I appreciate the time. And uh, you know, thanks for just elevating this entire podcast on a week to week basis. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's nice. Thank you. It's true. It's true. Thanks. Anything I could do to help you sure you don't want to, I'm giving you one last chance at the John Jones thing. Just come on. Say the right thing. <laughs> no, I stand by every. He said he was on Coke when he fought uh, Daniel Cormier. Do you believe Propane? that? Propane. Propane. Coke. The White Devil. I was about to start singing Eric Clapton. <laughs> oh, I want to ride on cocaine. You ever, you ever do coke, man? Like I did Not it once in my life. I, I was think like, I would enjoy it. it. I mean, I just, you know the speed advantage he had in that DC fight? It was crazy. I mean, I was like, holy shit, eye jabs were coming from every direction. And I had a oh my god! Oh, Don't get kicked off a plane today, Ray. Yeah, go recheck your your luggage. Make sure you don't have any. PSA: Take it easy on today. I think you should. What do you call it? One of those a betting line on when I'm going to get canceled. How long? I don't know what's long going to go. That's right. It will be good. It will be good promotion for the podcast, by the way. And I'm going to say, if I had another hundred thousand Instagram followers, I'd be canceled already. Already. The only thing that's keeping me uncanceled, nobody knows who I am. It was a terrible mistake ever having Ray Longo on this podcast. Oh yeah, all guys, fans. Feel he free is disrespectful. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah, I, exactly. I, I'd be mad at you if you didn't. Just act like you never even know me. <laughs> if you want more from Ray Longo at Ray Longo MMA on social media, you make me want to go do some recreational drugs right now. Man. I mean, you got all fired up there. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, Kenny, come on, man. Get get over the get over the Wonder Boy school. Yeah. I'm gonna try, my man. Thank Why you. Why don't man. you guys meet halfway? I mean, let's. You want to set a betting line 
on the odds of Ken Flo driving 90 minutes to shake your hand? I mean, <laughs> let me bet <laughs> no. Wait, have you ever met Wonder Boy, Ken Flo? I have, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got to be your type of guy. He's, he's the nicest guy ever. He's the nicest guy ever. Yeah. Yeah, they're Makes both no super nice. Yeah, Kempo's super. not nice enough to drive 90 minutes, though, to say hi to all you fools. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm going to try. I would love to. I'd love to. If yeah. you have time, we'd love to see you. Ken Flo called several of Wonderboy's fights, including his UFC debut against wow. Dan Stigeon. Ken Flo and I called it in 3D uh, for movie theaters. Yes. I think UFC right. 243 or something when he just ruined Dan Stigeon. Um, all right, Ray. Hey. <laughs> Give those TSA agents hell. We'll talk to you next Monday, okay? <laughs> Just pray again on the plane. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> oh, there he is. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Not always as uh, as entertaining as it was today, incidentally. All right, it is time for the pronunciation of the week as we segue into our prediction shortly here for UFC Fight Night Vittori versus Holland as we say hello to the executive producer, Cody Merrow. Did you enjoy that Ray Longo Minute, Cody? Well, how am I supposed to follow that? Like, <laughs> right. um, it doesn't matter what I, right. unless I'm on here snorting cocaine and, <laughs> right. I don't know, sandblasting hookers, I guess, according to Ray. Like, I don't have right. anything. So, right. right. All right. Well, uh, we're excited to see you and uh, see how you do with this pronunciation of the week. Uh, the listeners have chimed in. You are 1 0 and not 0 1. The listenership had your back. And again, if they think that I'm being mean, they put me in line. So 1-0 for Cody Merrow. Uh, this Russian fighter set to make his UFC debut on the main card on ABC this Saturday afternoon. Uh, had a big one on Dana White's Contender Series last year. Cody Merrow, of whom am I speaking? Well, John, you know, I'm going to use an old trope from politics that if you're going to be wrong, at least say it with confidence. So I'm going to take a stab at this. Aliashkov Kizrayev? Oh, so close. All right, Let's we'll see. I'm going to... Uh, this is a short one, so I'm going to let it loop a couple times if that's okay. My man. Ali Ashab Khizriyev. Ali Ashab Khizriyev. Khizriyev. Right, so he said... The KH is always there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he said Khizriyev. So, uh, otherwise, outstanding job on the, uh, the, Ryev, on the first though. name. I mean... It was. Yeah, Ali if I could get like partial points, you know, if we had could have like a 10, nine yeah. and a half round or something, yeah. you know, right. Ali Achab Hizrayev. You sound like you sound, you sound How great. Beautiful is that? I can't really wait to hear that on the PFL broadcast. It's gonna be brilliant, you. Kenny. Set your DVRs, folks. <laughs> Ali Achab Hizrayev may just call him the Black Wolf, though, if he knocks out Kyle Dawkins, because uh, that is a mouthful, needless to say. All right, Cody. Appreciate your contribution. That falls you back to one and one. And as much as we appreciate our listeners, don't need to hear from you on that one. That's a clear loss. And uh, Cody falls to one and one. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, now with us for the main event challenge, he is a fine mixed martial arts analyst on social media at Ian Parker MMA. He is the duck Ian Parker team Anik with the overall lead 34 to 30. Ian, it's nice to see you, my friend. My twin brother says that I need to be nicer to you. So that is going to be my focus this week. Um, but the only thing that I get to control in this main event challenge is how many fights and which fights we pick. And I couldn't eliminate one of these seven. So you guys have your work cut out for you. When you see me, Ian, send an email with seven picks, and you know you got to make them like six days before the fights. Not ideal, I would think, right? Like, have you bet any fights yet? No. It, it, you know what? It gets it, – it's a little early to do that, especially with certain lines. And obviously with COVID and stuff, you know, as you've seen, a lot of fights have gotten canceled along the way. But – you know, my research is still there. I still study up. I watch tape. I do as much as I can. But in regards to placing actual bets, it's too early. Well, I appreciate both of you guys sort of peeling this one back so early in fight week. And I would suggest to bettors out there, if you're looking at a fight like Mackenzie Dern versus Nina Ansaroff and you are convicted one side or the other, you might as well bet it now because it's a pick em fight. But uh, we'll see where that one closes. First fight for us, though, is not going to be at straw weight. It'll be at 155 pounds. Joe Selecki, minus 225 Jim Miller, plus 175. Ian Parker, who do you have here? First off, I want to thank Jason Anik. I love you. I uh, appreciate you having my back. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, John, by the way, I always told people when they asked about your hair, I mean, I don't know if it has anything to do with him having ridiculously long hair, but it's clear that yours is a choice by the way you do a fade. It doesn't Thank look like you. your hairline's receding. Yeah, it's not like a Michael Jordan situation. So I, I got well, you. Well, I appreciate that. And it's not like if I put my fingers through my hair, it feels as nice as Ken flows. Like it doesn't feel good. I can barely get my fingers through it. It's an easy, easy decision to shave it. But <laughs> thank you for that, Ian, as you were. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, this is a tough fight. You know, it's it's always hard when you have a young guy going against a seasoned veteran in Jim Miller where the line is like this. You know, if you strip away the lines, I'm going to go with Selecki. I'm not, but I don't love betting on him at minus 200 plus. You know, I could see why someone would take a stab at Jim Miller, but I just think Selecki right now, this is, they're putting him in this position for a reason. They want to really see if he's the real deal. And unfortunately, Jim Miller keeps being put as a gatekeeper. So I'm going to roll with the young gun in this one, but this is going to be a tough fight. Kenny, Jim Miller was to face Bobby Green in mid-February. As many of you know, Green fell ill at the way, and that fight went away. And now Miller will make his record 37th UFC appearance against the upstart Joe Selecki, who's won five in a row. He's 2-0 in the UFC. He's a new father. And Kenny trains out of a good camp in North Carolina, as you well know, and has a pretty good nose for the submission. Seven of his 10 pro wins have come by way of sub. What do you think about Selecki here against the credentialed Jim Miller? Well, if you're Selecki, you definitely want to have that background if you're going to face someone like a Jim Miller who is uh, very keen at, at getting a submission himself. And, um, you know, Miller, uh, anytime you fight him, you know you're going to be in for a brawl no matter how long it lasts. This guy's going to come forward. He's going to get in your face. He's going to look to finish you. Um, but I do think Selecki has time on his side. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think he's fighting probably Jim at, at the right time. Uh, he does have to have to deal with a lot of experience from Miller, but I like Selecki here. All right, next fight, boys, at 170 pounds. D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez, minus 190. Platinum Mike Perry, plus 150. So Rodriguez coming off a loss to Nicholas Dalby. That was <clears> UFC <throat> 255 late last year. Otherwise, perfect in the UFC. So he was 3-0 and going into that Dalby fight. Platinum Mike Perry, 15th UFC appearance. Ian, any idea what Perry's UFC record is here? coming into his 15th uh, UFC start. I don't, but I'm going to say before you tell me, I'm very surprised at how big of an underdog he is with this fight. Well, he's seven and seven in the UFC. He's dropped three of four. The win in there was over Mickey Gall last June. And maybe looks like he's getting back to some of his training roots with Alex Nicholson and his father there in Central Florida. What do you think about Perry here uh, at plus 150? Sounds like maybe you see some value in I do see some value. You know, Rodriguez has shown some flaws in his game, gets a little wild, very hittable. Uh, also, cardio gets a little up and down throughout the fight. Perry's never shown a slowdown button. You know, we have seen those moments, even with grappling with Mike Perry in his fight against Mickey Gall. Everyone said if he was going to lose, Gall was going to outgrapple him, and Perry showed that that wasn't the case. And I think his striking is just going to be cleaner. You know, listen, getting destroyed by Luke is not the uh, worst thing in the world. That's... Look what just happened with Woodley. So I think Mike Perry at the plus 150 number uh, as an underdog, I'm going to go with him here. I think experience and level of competition may go a long way. So I can't believe I'm saying this, but give me Mike Perry. <laughs> me no, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of your sentiments, Kenny. I don't think the betting line properly reflects the wealth of UFC experience that Mike Perry has accrued here. But sometimes you don't know what you're going to get with Perry. Like for us, until right. we sit down with him in a fighter meeting, sometimes I don't know what his training camp has held. So, And Rodriguez is quite good, obviously. What are your thoughts on this one, yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think uh, both of these guys are very similar in that they're not afraid to get in there and trade. Um, Rodriguez has a very good right hand going backwards. Um, he's got some really good counter shots. He'll stay in the pocket even when it's not wise to do so. Uh, and he'll find a way to, to drop you. Um, Mike Perry is, is very much that same guy. I think um, that Ian's correct in that Mike Perry is probably a little bit more polished in some areas. Uh, but it seems like uh, Rodriguez tends to stay more composed. This is a tough uh, one to pick, but um, I do agree with Ian um, in that for Mike Perry being the underdog here and knowing that these guys are going to trade, um, I, I would like to think that Mike Perry has just as good a chance of finishing this fight as Rodriguez does. So I, I think it's going to be a violent fight. I think they will spill blood in the octagon like a lot of these fights. Uh, on Saturday morning, afternoon. And um, yeah, I'm going to go with Perry as well. Very interesting stuff there. And by the way, I'm going to steal that Ken Flo line on Daniel Rodriguez's walkout. I'm going to be like, man, you'll notice too, he's got this real nice right hand when he's backing up. I picked it up <laughs> on film while I was getting ready to call the fights. 
All right, Ian, huge uh, fight at strawweight here. Pick him for our purposes. Minus 112 on both sides per DraftKings Sportsbook. Nina Ansaroff, Mackenzie Dern. Now, Nina has changed her name to Nina Nunez, but her fight name is still Ansaroff, at least as of this taping. Uh, but I guess that doesn't really matter. What matters to me as I handicap this fight, Ian, is that Mackenzie Dern has fought four times since we last saw Nina. When we did see Nina, it was a competitive loss to Tatiana Suarez, these are two of the best in the world, in my opinion. I would be laying off this fight if I was contractually permitted to bet on it, but you obviously don't have that uh, that option, Ian. So who do you like here, Dern or Ansaroff? I think if her last name was Nunez in the cage, the line might be a little bit different just based out of confusion with Vegas, and I kind of hope that does happen. Then, then I might uh, take a stab. Kenny's laughing because he knows I'm 100% right there. If, they, if, if she walked out going, you know, man, the Nunez's his wife, Nina <laughs> – that goes based on minus 185, just right. straight out of married to the lioness. Um, you know what? This is a really this is a fight where I wouldn't bet on, but and it's weird because Nina kind of left at a weird time. I, I thought what she showed in that Tatiana fight was a lot, and she was on a really good streak. I just think that Mackenzie Dern, with the experience she's had over the four fights, what we've seen, um, the striking's gotten better. She's with a great coach and Jason Perillo. I, I just I think. It, it, this is really hard. Six months after giving birth, being out for a little while, and Mackenzie knew what she's been doing. I think Mackenzie's going to be better on the ground, striking Nina by a little. Um, I'm going to go with Mackenzie Dern here. I'm not overly confident either way, but I just think that timing-wise, this makes sense for her. All right. Ian likes Mackenzie Dern. So Nina's a good friend of mine. I remember talking to her, Kenny, when she was pregnant. She said she wanted to come back in January at flyweight. Instead, it's going to be April at strawweight in the division in which she is a bona fide contender. Ian mentioned the alignment for Mackenzie Dern with Jason Perillo. Much has been made of the two of them. And it seems like Dern is at a developmental stage in her career, Kenny, where she is ready to present a different version almost every fight here. I mean, if you watch some of her training footage, the evolution has been marked. I thought she would be a bigger favorite here, candidly. Um, but what do you think about Nina Ansaroff and Mackenzie Dern here on the main card? Well, listen, as good as Nina is on the ground, um, obviously Mackenzie's going to have that advantage against anyone in that division or anyone even close to her weight. She's just that good. She has that kind of a pedigree mm -hmm. in the jiu-jitsu world. Um, so I, I think that's ultimately where she wants to take it. If she wants to take the path of least resistance, um, I think that her striking is improving, but in order for her to get it to work, she's going to have to get by that very good sidekick from Nita Ansaroff. Uh, Nina's sidekick uh, has been a weapon that she's used for a long time. She uses it well. Um, and that is the longest weapon you can use. Everyone talks about the jab. But um, that lead leg sidekick from Nina um, is going to be a handful. And Nina has a tremendous amount of UFC experience against very good fighters. If she can keep it on the feet, I think she's going to have an advantage from what I've seen so far. Um, again, Mackenzie Dern could be a completely different striker this time around. Um, but I, I think for Nina to win, she's going to have to keep it on the feet. And she's going to have to get right into her rhythm uh, right away. No easy task. Mackenzie Dern has been in this very same situation coming off of giving birth and having to train for a camp. And, you know, there's a lot of changes that go on, uh, you know, dealing with the pregnancy and, and then having the baby and recovering from the pregnancy. It is not easy. And um, I'm curious to see how Nina comes back from it. Obviously, she's, she is as tough as they come. Um, she has the skills to get it done. Uh, but just based on activity, um, I, I think I'd, I'd have to lean Mackenzie's way as of right now. Nina Ansaroff, criminally underappreciated for my money. She's underrated, I think, by the fan base, not by the she odds is. makers who are giving her a lot of respect here. But And talk about matchmaking, right? Going Suarez and Dern back to back. Nothing easy. Uh, about those 115-pound waters in the UFC. All right, at middleweight here, back-to-back, -back, boys. We'll start with Julian Marquez, minus 180, smiling Sam Alvey, plus 160. So, Ian, a lot of pressure on Sam Alvey. Could be fighting for his job here as he moves back down to 185 pounds for what will be his 21st UFC appearance. Last performance had some upside. It was a draw against Daun Jung, but the last win for Sam Alvey, Utica, New York, June 1st, 2018, Marquez on the other side rallied for a big win against Maki Patolo not all that long ago. Ian Parker, Marquez or Sam Alvey for you? Yeah, that fight with Marquez and uh, Coconut Bombs, as you like to – did I That's get that right. accent right? Was that good? I've been working Perfect. on that. I've had a couple Perfect. of weeks to uh, appreciate that. Kenny wants to say something. Go ahead. Make fun of it. 
Go ahead. Now you're good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I totally misread that reaction. Okay, fuck me, I guess. But uh, yeah, so Julian Marquez in this one, look, what we saw was the adjustments he's made. I think with Sam Alvey, you know what you're getting. You got a guy who can punch really hard. You got a guy who's willing to take the shots to give a big one. I just don't know if at this weight, um, if he's going to be able to handle Marquez's speed. I think if Marquez just doesn't get overzealous, remember there was a long time out of the cage for Julian coming back. Now the jitters are gone. He's getting back in there pretty quickly. I think this is a good matchup for him stylistically. So I like Julian Marquez in this one. Sam Alvey's wife, Brittany, has become an exceptional MMA mind. I love watching her work that corner. But it's like, to me, it's like, give me the guy with zero kids fighting the guy with five kids like every day of the week, you know? I don't know how the Alveys do it. I think they have four kids that are their own. They have recently adopted another kid that says nothing of the myriad pets they probably have. Like, I, I just have a lot of respect for these guys. And I say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but balancing all of that, like, Julian Marquez goes home and, like, he can text his girlfriend, right? Like Sam Alvey goes home and he gets trampled by five children in the middle of a grueling training camp. Alvey also back at 85 Ken flow. So uh, he's been doing some of these 24 hour fasts and things like that. Uh, your thoughts on Alvey and Julian Marquez. Yeah. But think of the mental strength that both of those individuals have the Alvey. Right, so just right. to have all of those kids. I mean, uh, next level <laughs> toughness uh, mentally. I remember, I remember, you remember seeing them in Macau, like with both of their kids, like yeah. in strollers walking. I'm like, how, yeah. how is Wait, this that happening happen? right now? Oh, yes. that was the thing? They would bring their kids to every fight. It's unbelievable. Anyways, they're beasts. They're beasts. That's insane. Um, I, listen, I, I think Marquez gets hit way too much. This is, this is a bet where, you know, for almost any Alvi fight, when he is the biggest underdog, that's when he's most dangerous. And I think he's going to be particularly more dangerous considering this could be his last fight in the UFC. Um, so I kind of like it here. I, I think Marquez yeah. gets hit a little bit too much. I think is Marquez uh, the better fighter? Yes. The better fighter doesn't always win. I'll take my chances with Sam Alvey. I think he's going to be dangerous here. And I think he finds his opportunity to play possum and he lands a big one and gets it done here against Marquez. And I like that Alvy power in that middleweight division. And when he fights at 85, it forces him to undertake a different type of training camp. So I can yeah. see why you see value there for smiling Sam Alvey and just a good family, just really good people. And, and the same can be said, of course, uh, for the good egg on the other side, Julian Marquez. All right. Also at middleweight, Aliaskov Kizriev, minus 125. Kyle Dawkins is an even money underdog, plus 100. Kizriev 13 and 0. Ian trains under Ray Seppo, won by submission on the contender series last year. On the other side, Dawkins out of Philadelphia, PA, making his third UFC start. Ian Parker, Kizriev or Dawkins for you? Still a little thrown off by that Macau trip with the Alves, now knowing they can't go far with five kids. I'm, I, I don't even like to bring my kids across the street at the same time. <laughs> hey. I mean, I, mean, I just, <laughs> I just want to say back then it was two kids, but they, yeah. have progressively added more children one of his son's name named uh names is is ival after gilbert ival what a fucking power name ival alvey yeah. i mean are you kidding me that's a fighter right there yeah there's yeah. a there's a my dad used to say when you have kids two on one you're even two on two you're outnumbered and uh i don't even know yeah. what, what he would have said about alvey five kids god bless the guy and i track. know yeah all right anyway sorry about that um how do you pronounce the russian guy's name again i know cody did a pretty good job asha labadev we say uh, the Black Wolf, but you can go uh, Hizriev if you don't mind. Uh, Hizriev. Okay, I'm going to do my best here with that one. Hizriev. I'm going to go Black Wolf. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's just be honest here. I suck at that, of the name stuff. Um, all right, so this one's really tough. You know, Dawkins has fought a little bit better competition. I know with the Black Wolf, he was on the Contender Series. Uh, you know, but his level of competition he fought, I, I, this is a, this is really a pick at its finest. To me, I'm going to go with who I think is just the better submission guy and i'm gonna go with black wolf here i just think what he's done on the ground the way he advances in position i think doc gets a little too comfortable in positions where he's held down for a little bit of time and this is really a coin flip you know this this one really is so i'm gonna go in that direction kenny it's interesting to talk to different mma handicappers as to how they approach a fight like this or others you know some look at age some look at other different factors I think you can't discount the UFC experience for Kyle Dawkins, but one thing other cap what cappers will also look at is, all right, this guy, Kizriev, is getting a huge opportunity on ABC for his UFC debut. So why is that? Undefeated fighter, is he getting a promotional push here? I mean, Dawkins is super tough and credentialed, like, but there's a reason this fight is on the main card. 
promotion probably forecasting fireworks. How do you see it playing out? It's it's the promotion saying, hey, MMA fans, do you want to see some blood? Come with me. <laughs> this is one of those fights. It's going to be so violent. Both of these guys get after it. Dawkins, tough as hell. Hisriath, tough as hell. If you haven't seen the Black Wolves fights, go do yourself a favor and watch them. This guy is a tremendous fighter. Excellent ground and pound. Uh, brutal on the feet as well. Uh, he gets after it. He's got killer instinct. This guy is someone to watch. He's Dagestani. The Dagestanis have been taking over uh, many different promotions here. Um, and, you know, he, he's not going to be, you know, spooked by the lights. This guy is ready to go, but he is facing a very tough guy in Dacus, who's well-rounded and big for the weight class as well. Yeah. Um, however, I, I think Hisriev uh, is, is poised to, to take this one. Um, I do think it's going to get violent and going to get violent early. Uh, but I do like uh, Hisriev here. Don't forget, main cards start 3 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S., noon Pacific on ABC. And I was reminded of that fact by our beautiful ticker with all of those betting lines. See, Ian knows me well. You know I'm so distracted by the ticker. Kempflow's giving you fucking gold, and all I can look at is the goddamn ticker with the odds. <laughs> all right, co-main event on the American Broadcasting Company matches up a couple of ranked fighters at featherweight. We're going to have Kempflow lead on the co-main event and the main event as he is trailing on the scoreboard. Sadiq Youssef, minus 130. Arnold Allen, plus 110. Kenny Allen looking to move to 8-0 in the UFC. Youssef still unblemished there as well. 4-0 in the octagon. What a fight. What a matchup. Kenny, who wins it, and how do they get it done? This is going to be a really good fight, and this is a tough one for me to pick. I, I think Arnold Allen has really made some good strides with his striking. Um, I think he's improved his grappling as well. Uh, Sadiq Youssef is a, an excellent striker. He's very fast. He knows how to put it all together. Uh, not too shabby on the ground. I think he might have the advantage on the ground against someone like Arnold Allen, but Allen is tough to keep, uh, keep him down and keep him on his back. Um, Allen's very dangerous, but I just think that Sadiq Youssef is a little bit more so. Um, I, I think he's faced tougher competition overall. Um, I think he's probably prone to maybe uh, less mistakes out there, uh, but this one's close. But I, I got to go with Sadiq Youssef. I think he gets it done by decision. Both excellent fighters, both thinking man's fighters. I want to tell a quick story on Sadiq Youssef, uh, Ian, before I lay out for you. So comes from a polygamous family in Nigeria, four mothers, one father. His mom is his hero. Rightfully so. Hardworking woman instilled a lot of good things in Sadiq, but his older siblings didn't get visitation visas. So Sadiq and his mom came to the U.S., and those siblings are still in Nigeria. They have been there without their mother for the better part of 20 years. Sadiq filled a car with goods and shipped it home so that they could open up a store and sell these goods. Store got robbed. So when I sit down with Sadiq, we get an update on this situation. Are the siblings here yet? What's the navigation been like? It's a crazy story, and it's crazy what a lot of these athletes are balancing. And we talk so much in this day and age about, you know, what's your why? What's your inspiration? And no shortage of it, obviously, for Sadiq Youssef. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, though, as a fighter, Ian? And how do you handicap this matchup with, uh, with Arnold Allen? Well, now I feel like a dick. I was going to pick against him. After hearing <laughs> that story, I want to go donate to his family. Like, I know, shit. I know. Um, well, listen, you know, it's it's kind of amazing when you bring up these stories that we hear about a lot of these guys because you can't even imagine how are they doing fighting professionally and doing anything of that nature when they deal with such, re like, I hate to say real-life stuff. You know, it's you don't hear about this that much in other sports. I hate, I hate to say it like that. You know, these other sports, these guys are getting – the money, the endorsements, and then these guys are fighting for their families, you know, and really, truly internationally. It's kind of crazy. Um, I think Sadiq Yusuf is a fantastic fighter. You know, I think he has come a long way on uh, his fight against Andre Feely. He showed a lot of grit and a lot of heart. There's something about Arnold Allen, though, that I think stylistically this one as an underdog uh, is kind of appealing to me. In the striking, Yusuf's going to have the power. Listen, when he throws down the pipe, it's scary. And when he, when he connects, you, you hear it, even when there were fans in the building, you, you hear it. I disagree with Kenny respectfully on who's better on the ground. I think Allen's entries are a little bit better. I think he will be actually the physically stronger fighter. I think his angles on his entries off of his overhand right are going to be helpful. And I think against the cage, he will be the better grappler. But then you got Yusuf at the knees. This one's a really tough one. <laughs> Excuse me, the cap. I think this fight goes over on a betting standpoint. I don't think either one gets to finish. So if you want to talk about capping and being responsible betting, to me, that's the way to go. 
I'm going to go with a little bit of the underdog here. I'm going to go with double A. I just think that um, hand speed, Yusuf is just a scary guy. I just think that he also does, he doesn't throw as much. And I think Allen with the output and the cardio will be the better fighter. All right, big swing Five fight decision. in our main event challenge as those guys disagree on what is a critically important featherweight co-main event for both parties. All right, main event. Marvin, the Italian dream, Vittori, minus 335. Kevin Trailblazer, Holland, plus 255. So if you don't know, Darren Till broke his collarbone in steps. The promotional workhorse, Holland, just fought Derek Brunson in a main event 16 days ago. That effort halting his winning streak at five. Kenny spoke, of course, of not caring about winning the belt. Didn't sit well with some, but here he is with another huge opportunity against one of the best middleweights in the world in Marvin Vittori. Ken Flo, who wins the main event on ABC, and how do they get it done? If I'm not mistaken, I believe Marvin Vittori was the exact name I used uh, to say that if Kevin Holland did that against someone like, let's say, a Marvin Vittori, Vittori's going to go out there and try to kill him. Like he, he's right. not going to put a re- put up with talking and exchange back and forth. Right, I think right. that's only going to make him more dangerous. Uh, he's going to start to turn into the Incredible Hulk and just smash. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I don't think Kevin Holland is prepared for the kind of ferocity that Marvin Vittori brings inside the octagon. Um, you know, Vittori might not be the most technical fighter in the world, but he's got enough to hurt anybody in that division. Um, he's he's huge. He is going to be significantly larger and stronger than Kevin Holland. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be phased by the talk. I think he's going to take him down and just try to TKO him. Um, right. And right. I think he can get it down on the feet. He can get it done on the feet as well. Kevin Holland, if his if he's lazy with his footwork like he was against Derek Brunson and trying to look for just kind of one shot and he's not putting together combinations, it's just not going to be enough to take out someone like Vittori. I think Vittori gets it done relatively easily and quickly. Um, I like Vittori. Uh, let's go round two TKO round two TKO potentially via the ground and pound is the way Ken Flo sees it for Marvin Vittori don't have the propositions out right now Ian I think some people might look at Kevin Holland by submission maybe catching something off of his back potentially if he gets put there uh, what are your thoughts on this main event and uh, ultimately which side are you on I'm curious what Kenny had for breakfast. I've heard a lot about violence and blood and ferocity today. Kenny, this whole, card, this whole card is insane, though. I mean, just the, the way that these guys match up, I think there's going to be a lot of blood in the octagon, man. I'm serious. It's because he now signed a, a bout agreement to compete for the PFL. As you can tell, the fighter is back. Yeah, no, no one saw, no one read Kenny's actual contract. It's, I'm going to call the first fight, but fight the second one. Exactly. So, I, I, Kenny, Kenny's going to win the tournament. Kenny, you're, you're going to win it. I got my money on you. Sure. You're going to call your own fight while you're winning. That'd be fantastic. I'm so old. I'm so old. It's not even funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should do it. You look good, bro. Um, no one's guessing Kenny's age if they don't know who Kenny Florian is, but I'm sorry. There's no way they're guessing your age. But anyway, no, that's true. That's true. Um, <clears throat> all right. Here's my only concern for Marvin Vittori in this fight is Kevin Holland's range and his speed on the feet. You know, Vittori gets hit a lot. In the fight against Jack Hermanson, um, he got hit a lot. And he was able to put Jack out. And there was a few times where he caught him. You know, we haven't seen Holland get put out, even in that, in that last fight where Brunson was dominating him. So whichever way this goes, I think this goes the full distance. Um, you know, I've seen Holland finish people. Vittori hasn't really done that in a little bit. Should he dominate this fight on the ground? Yeah, can Holland pull it off a submission? Vittori was able to get out of that with Jack, with, with Jack, you know, and Jack, I think, is actually a better submission artist than Kevin Holland. I just don't know what Kevin Holland were really getting here. Did he really learn anything from that last fight? Is he still going to be, you know, I get the gimmick of the talking. It's cool, but when you talk and don't do anything, it's not cute. You know, it really, it made him look foolish. It made him, and especially in that type of spotlight, and with a stylistic fight with Brunson, who doesn't come out with a ton of volume, that should have been his fight to showcase and good for Derek Brunson for taking advantage of being smart and grinding it out. I think Vittori should put the, put him on his back. I don't think he should stay on the feet. You know, I think to Kenny's point, put him against the cage, get, get him a, like just grind it out. And that's what I think Vittori does. That left hand looks good. We said that in the Jack fight, that left hand would come in handy here. The way Holland throws with his hands down, he should get tagged a bunch of times. So I'm going to say Marvin Vittori by decision, you know, but Again, if Kevin Holland fights like he can and be at range and keep his distance, he could give it to, he could steal a few rounds. You know, it's just a matter of, again, is Holland going to take this seriously? What adjustments has he made over what, you know, two weeks? 
Right. Uh, but Vittori is a scary guy. He was scary before being pissed off. He's even scarier when he yeah. is pissed off. Yeah. And for that reason, you know, I will also go Marvin Vittori, but I'll go by decision. A few fighter meetings ago, we sat down with Kevin Holland and he spoke of taking a few months off to build his body up to middleweight to try to put on like eight or 10 pounds of muscle and really move up to 85 with finality. Obviously, his number keeps being called and that hasn't materialized, but I'm going to be curious to sit down with him now that he's had a little bit of time to uh, to assess what happened with Derek Brunson. But uh, big opportunity for Kevin Holland. And, of course, if any fighter is is deserving of an ABC showcase like this, it's uh, it's Marvin Vittori, who is just so skilled and wants it so badly. You can't help but, uh, but root for the guy a little bit. All right, at Ian Parker MMA, if you want more from the duck. Great stuff today, my brother. We will talk to you uh, next week as we get ready for uh, Whitaker and Gastelum. Any, any parting shot before we let you fly, my man? I just want to congratulate Kenny. I haven't been able to do that on the show yet. Welcome, welcome back. Excited to see you uh, fight. I don't know why everyone, I don't know why everyone thinks you're called these. I fights. know it's unbelievable. He's gonna come out in a lucha mask, take it off and enter the cage. But yeah, uh, yeah. thank you, dude. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> no, absolutely. And uh, now looking forward to a nice week of fights. And uh, let's go. See, we're the only ones that really know what's going on when it comes to True. the PFL <laughs> contract. You know, so big uh, news. Hey, Ian, great stuff, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. Have a good one, guys. All right, we got to bounce on out of here. AnakinFlorianPodcast.com. That will link you directly to the store if you would like to buy merchandise for the Anakin Florian Podcast. You can also get merch for Bilal Muhammad's Remember the Show. Speaking of which, they are back this Thursday night, I believe, live on this very channel. Channel also links to Ken Flo's jiu-jitsu page. I mean, it's more than jiu-jitsu. It's just uh, really good technical content from uh, the digestible Kenny Florian. By the way, Cody, who won the game show last week with Bilal? And uh, and Jason Anik was it uh, was it Calvin Cater or was it Rob Font? It was Calvin Cater, but he didn't know that the Sox won the title in 2004, and I couldn't believe it. It was what? disgusting. He didn't know the Red Sox broke the curse in fucking 2004. Neither of them did. On the Ultimate Fighter season one. That's Neither right. of them did. That's but I'll right. tell you, I'll tell you guys. Do you remember the movie? Still, we believe the Boston Red Sox movie came out in 2003. I oh, ordered it on Amazon, $8. So there's a bargain uh, for you. Yeah, I'll get out of that it. That is, yeah. And uh, maybe deal. by this time next week, the local nine, the Boston Red Sox, will have actually won a baseball game. 0-3 <laughs> out of the shoot well, after getting yeah. – uh, Swept by the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, thank you to our executive producer, Cody Merrow. Thanks to the usual suspects, Ray Longo and Ian Parker. We, of course, are back next Monday. Full preview with predictions for UFC Fight Night, Whitaker versus Gastelum. That is April 17th, and we will recap the ABC card. We'll see if it is Marvin Vittori or Kevin Holland who reigns supreme. Uh, with all of that, for uh, for PFL lightweight, Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, don't text them while you're driving. And don't tell Pat Militich I got my first vaccination shot, by the way. Please don't tell him. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys in less than a week. Yo, later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.